Make your plans now to join us for the G3 National Conference, September 30th through October 2nd, as we'll gather for Christian fellowship and the worship of God through song and the preached word. Our theme for the 2021 conference will be centered on biblical Christology. You can find registration details at g3men.org. Get 15% off by mentioning code G3BAR. That's G3BAR. Make your plans now to join us for the G3 National Conference, September 30th through October 2nd, as we'll gather for Christian fellowship and the worship of God through song and the preached word. Our theme for the 2021 conference will be centered on biblical Christology. You can find registration details at g3men.org. Get 15% off by mentioning code G3BAR. That's G3BAR. the bar come on and pull up a seat and open up your bible what a wonderful feast the living bread and we're discussing what it means for the streets the inner cities and the burbs and every person we meet this is where we challenge worldviews that we hear from world news in light of the scripture we are here to serve you we're your source for resources to help you on your way as you battle mean forces this is for the people who can see the importance of sound theology and the scripture that support it and this is for the truth lovers biblically performing preaching christ to the nations yeah welcome to the of reformation yeah the bar biblical and reformed welcome everybody to the bar it's your boy Dwayne in the building and before we start this next episode i wanted to reach out to you real quick um we have a vision here at the bar to build or create our own studio so in the, at the end of this month we will be doing a campaign where we're selling shirts and taking donations um right now you know we're getting it in right here in the closet man my i call this uh the the, the bunker um but lord's willing man with your participation and and buying and rocking the hot new bar t-shirt all that money will go towards building a studio so that i can have guests in with me because they can't come in my closet man we you know we do it over the phone and god god has blessed that and we appreciate all the support you guys have done but make sure at the end of the month that you look out for the bar uh, uh campaign where we're, we're we're doing t-shirts and we're doing other fundraiser type things to uh to raise some money so that we can get some good equipment make sure you check that out uh also on today's podcast uh, we recorded this in january right after g3 so if you hear any references to january or g3 it's just we recorded this earlier uh but i was so excited to have uh phil johnson and i said what better month to release this episode than during our one year anniversary that's right march 2016 is when the bar uh came into the podcast world and uh, we've been grinding and pushing ever since and we thank you we appreciate you Please, please, please make sure you leave us a five-star review. Make sure you share. Make sure you tell somebody about the bar. Let them know that uh, we're doing good things over here. Also, at the end of the month, make sure you pick that T-shirt up so when you walk around, people will say, what's this bar podcast? Is that a liquor thing? Like, no, 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 no. This is an awesome podcast that you need to subscribe to. Make sure you tell them just like that. So with all that being said, y'all hold it down and enjoy this awesome show. Peace.
So excited this week to have with me a special guest. I had the privilege to uh, actually meet him face to face and shake his hand real quick. Uh, he was actually scurry hurrying away to a to a session. But uh, I have with me uh, Dr. Phil Johnson. How are you this afternoon, sir? I'm great, Dwayne. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I I I I had to uh, uh, I had to uh, Dr. Phil because. Uh, one of the the many things that I, I look forward to to going to G three was meeting a lot of guys that I got to, uh, you know, watch on YouTube and 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 you know read blogs and things of that nature and uh, and I was just so thankful that you took time uh, to do that and and was very eager you know I didn't have to pull your pull your arm or bribe you or anything man so thank you again for uh, for for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you. But I had as much fun as you did at G3. It was great. <laughs> yeah, it was excellent. Uh, for my listeners, can you give like a little background, um, you know, kind of a, a mini bio of who you are and, and what you do and whatever else you want to share? Yeah, first of all, I'm I'm not a doctor. Uh, oh. um, in fact, I think the highest degree I have is from Moody Bible Institute. I never got to go to seminary. Um uh, I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, going to a liberal Methodist church, met Christ uh, just because I picked up the Bible to read mm. in high school, my last month in high school, and I flopped it open randomly, and it opened to 1 Corinthians. Mm. And so I began to read in that book, and those first few chapters are just an all-out assault on the wisdom of man, you know, human wisdom. And I'd always thought that, you know, if I if I, you know, tried to try to be wise and good mm -hmm. and all that, that God would accept me. And, and here Scripture is telling me, and I've learned since Scripture says this consistently, that it's our righteousnesses that God hates the most because it's phony, phony righteousness. You know, our righteousnesses mm -hmm. are like filthy rags. And I thought if God hates the best things about me, then what must he think, think about the worst things? Wow. Began to seek salvation, found Christ. Um, went to, went off to Moody Bible Institute on the recommendation of a, a local pastor who had studied there himself. And uh, just before I graduated from Moody, I took a part-time job proofreading at Moody Press. Mm. And uh, that sort of thrust me into the world of Christian publishing, which I found I loved and I was good at. And uh, so I spent the next few years uh, as a book editor. And Moody Press began to uh, publish John MacArthur's books, and that's how I met him. Wow. He liked the work I did on his books, and so he one day he said, you should quit your job here at Moody Press and come to work for me. And I said, okay. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, within a few weeks, I was in California, and I've been here ever since. So I've lived uh, here, been part of Grace Community Church for nearly 35 years now. Wow, wow. That's amazing. That's an amazing story uh, that, that, that Dr. MacArthur just said, you know, just drop all that and come here. That is so awesome. And actually, that was I'm, I'm glad you went there. That was one of my questions was, how did you actually connect with them? So um, when whenever, I guess, uh, you got the grace, I mean, yeah, you got the Grace Community Church and 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 you, you became part of the fellowship, um, I guess, you know, because I'm, I'm way on the East Coast and I, I, you know, I listen to Dr. MacArthur a lot. You know, it, you know, I have his podcast. So how was it like growing up? in that, you know, under that teaching, like, like, I just couldn't imagine just having that such good teaching every Sunday. How was that? Yeah, I mean, it was great. I, of course, I had listened to, uh, I've been listening to John MacArthur on the radio myself. In fact, I lived 
for a few years on the East Coast in Florida, and uh, that's where I first heard Grace to You on the radio back in 1978. Wow. And um, Or maybe, maybe it was 1979, around then. And uh, just began to listen to him on a daily basis because I, I just found his teaching really fed my soul. And uh, I, I, so I had actually daydreamed about what if I could be part of that church and mm-hmm. you know help him get his material published because my background was publishing. That's the way I thought. And uh, uh, through a series of remarkable events, uh, the Lord brought us together, John MacArthur and I, and uh, it turned out he was wishing for an editor as much as I was wishing he had one. Wow. So it was, uh, you know, literally, I think, a partnership made in heaven. And uh, um, it's just been great ever since. Gotcha. I've, I've never regretted the move. I've never thought, well, that was foolish to do that so quickly. It was the best decision I made. Wow. Yeah, that's that's awesome. You actually can kind of um, I love when you guys are both on stage with, let's say, Q&A or things of that nature. You can actually see the the, the chemistry you guys have and, and, and the genuine, I guess, love and, and care you guys have for each other. So that's we can pick that up through YouTube, man. Um, and um, I guess another question I have, uh, you talked about G3 um, and, and how much fun that was. Well, I was in your class, the session that we didn't have any lights <laughs> and you barely had a microphone. Yeah. <laughs> that's right i think i think they they forgot i was supposed to do uh somebody forgot that i was supposed to do a breakout session and it was yeah. in the main auditorium so it's massive place and there were right. probably a 1500 people in there sort of sitting in the dark and there was no microphone and they had already <laughs> rearranged the stage for a, a group q a so there was no place to stand and teach yep. so i grabbed a music stand and just stood down on the floor and 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 interrupted the lunch of uh, one of the sound crew. They were uh, a team of sound engineers that had been hired. I'm not even sure they were Christians. And, in fact, this guy was kind of irritated with me for interrupting his lunch. Uh, wow. But we got the sound going, and uh, and we never did get the lights on. So I taught that session in the dark. Yes, yes. It, which worked it, out well. It did. It actually did, you know. Uh, I, I enjoyed yeah, it. I, uh, Go ahead. I actually look much better in the dark. <laughs> oh, you you saying you got a radio face, man? I don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, but um man, in that session, um it it really uh it was really good, you know, despite the darkness and and all the the aggravation. Um and and what I loved about it because I came out of the charismatic world and in the charismatic world, you know, you 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 uh you seek after and you 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 really chase after these uh preaching superstars you know what i'm saying and yeah. and, and you kind of yeah. covet them and and when i came when i became reformed you know i thought i was leaving that you know and for me to find out later that we're sometimes we get caught doing that on on this side you know with uh yeah that's right i was, with, fact, with, I was just going to say that is that is by no means unique to the charismatic movement they, they certainly are guilty of it but i, I think all evangelicals are right it's, right. Uh, it's the it's probably the most detrimental uh trend in the modern evangelical movement people chasing after celebrity status and mm. um, um you know fame and and famous people and and uh, it, it just goes against what, in fact, my text in that session was 1 Corinthians one twenty six. Going back to 1 Corinthians, one of, the, one of the key passages that sort of led to my conversion, where uh, Paul says, look, you know, look at yourselves, brothers. There's not mm-hmm. many of you wise, not many of you noble. 
the Lord didn't choose famous people to get his work done. We're always guilty of thinking that way that, you know, think how many people would be impacted if some famous celebrity just became a Christian yeah. And, yeah. and his testimony. But the fact is when famous celebrities do become Christians, they're often thrust into the spotlight too mm-hmm. early and then they crash and burn. And uh, that's been repeatedly to the detriment of the growth of the, uh, of the gospel, growth in advance of the gospel. And what God does is, and he delights to do, is use nobodies. Yes. You know, people who who lack, you know, the obvious sort of uh, human giftedness, natural talents, and he gifts us with spiritual gifts mm-hmm. and uses us in a way that nobody could say, well, that guy, that guy was successful or useful because, you know, look how good looking he is. I mean, look mm-hmm. at Spurgeon. He wasn't wasn't a particularly good-looking man, right? Uh, right, and not much to commend him. He wasn't highly educated. He never went to college, uh, and yet the Lord used him in a remarkable way. Exactly, and that's how it is through church history. The Lord doesn't single out worldly celebrities and then use them to be his spokespeople. He picks nobodies mm-hmm. and it gives them the gifts to proclaim the gospel. Right. Wow, man, you said a whole lot right there. I had to. I'm I'm writing my little checkpoints like okay let me write this down <laughs> because you know I guess first you know first to tackle the the celebrities getting thrown into the spotlight you know uh we we see that so often in TBN and you know I'm 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 you know African American born in the '80s so I ha- I have the hip hop culture in me so uh first thing I think about is Mason Belfer which you may not know who he is but he was a rapper. And he got thrown on TBN as soon as he claimed salvation. He had a church, and then he went back into the rap game and denounced everything. You know, so that yeah, yeah. That, that says well, a lot, you know, man. I, no, I know, and it's it's a pattern. I'm I'm from Bob Dylan's generation, and you know, gotcha. there was a time when Bob Dylan professed to be a Christian, and oh, he wow. he seemed to understand the gospel, and he had a. a a fairly clear testimony, but he just abandoned it and went back into the secular world. And, uh, you know, he is, he's a classic example of what we're talking about. Right. That happens right. again and again. Yeah. It's sad. It's really sad. Um, and, and I hate it because the rumor was quote unquote, that a, uh, a popular, you know, mega pastor told this rapper that, Hey, that's your gift. You need to go back and do that. You know, like you need to go back into rapping about women and money and sex. You know what I'm saying? Like I, that's the rumor, but it's sad that they would even come to that. Um, yeah. If, you, if it's true, it's shameful. Very. But uh, it's, it's believable, isn't it? I mean, you hear these guys preach and what they preach about and some of the young celebrity pastors are just as swept up in the, uh, the emblems of worldliness as the secular mm-hmm. people are. It's, it's terrible. Yeah, really is, really is. Yeah, and and another part in that segment that you just said, you know, talking about that that local pastor, that 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 ordinary guy, um, um, that that God uses, you know, I, that is is beautiful to me. You know, like I said again, coming out of charismatic, because actually I used to go to a you know well known mega church uh, that was on TBN, and you know all of that. I was I was in that whole lane, and so coming out of that and realizing the power of a local pastor a guy that you know that that that's that you won't see at every conference he won't be speaking at g3 he may be attending g3 you know and seeing god use that man i i really that seemed to be the to me at g3 kind of the 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 string that was tying everything together is the local church and the local body and the local pastor do you, do you agree with that 
Yeah, I do. And I think that's a conscious, deliberate thing on the part of the people who organize G3. I think that's one of their concerns, uh, that there's so many of these big mega conferences that actually end up undermining the local church. And uh, mm-hmm. so they, they definitely wanted to emphasize that. It's a good emphasis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's really good. Uh, recently, I was on a podcast called Ordinary Pastors. And literally, that's what the podcast does is just interview guys um, you know, just that you would never hear of and just let them share their heart. And also I do that here on my show. I do once a month with a, a local pastor. Um, so yeah, we definitely support that here. Uh, one thing yeah, I love, I love that. I go ahead. I, I love it when I, when I'm like poking around at sermons on the uh, internet from people I've never heard. Right. And I'll occasionally find a preacher who's a better expositor than most of the famous people, you know, and you mm-hmm. wonder, how is it that this guy pastors a little bitty church in Arkansas, <laughs> and uh, and nobody's heard of him, but he's a much better expositor than, mm-hmm. you know, T.D. Jakes or anybody else who's famous. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, that's amazing. That's that's one of the things I love about Sermon Audio is being able to find those guys like that. Um, yeah. And I actually interviewed uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Stephen Lawson earlier today. And, uh, you know, just speaking of expository preaching and, and, and things of that nature, um, he, he was saying how uh, how important that is, you know, being able to, to exposit the, the, the scriptures. Um, what's your stance on it? I mean, I, I pretty much know, but just for my listeners, as far as, you know, being a expository preacher um, and, and, and even when you have to minister, what, how do you prepare and, and, and how do you take on that? Yeah, I'm all in favor of expository preaching. And, that, and that's been something I, I learned, fortunately, early on as a Christian. Mm-hmm. From the first church I ever went to, I think every church I've ever been to, uh, the pastors have always emphasized the importance of biblical exposition. Uh, and in fact, my, the two main pastors who have uh, sort of mentored me in my life were John MacArthur, of course, and before mm-hmm. that, Warren Wiersbe. Mm. Wiersbe was my pastor uh, during the years I lived in Chicago, and I got to know him fairly well. And uh, he was—he's a different kind of expositor than John MacArthur, right? But his sermons come, you know, straight from the text. He'll take a bigger section of scripture than John MacArthur does, and he doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily, uh, you know, deal with every word and every verse in that passage. But he gives you a careful outline that goes through the passage, and he explains the sense of the passage and. So I was exposed to that, and that really whet my appetite for b- biblical exposition, so that when I heard John MacArthur and the depth of his expositions, uh, my first response was, this is exactly what I need and what the church needs. It's what I've been looking for since the day I became a Christian. Right. And uh, so, uh, you know, it's been drummed into me from the beginning that good preaching is first and foremost biblical. Preach the word, Paul says to Timothy. And mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I didn't didn't actually start preaching until I was, I think, in my 50s. Oh. Because I, I was a book editor. I didn't train gotcha. to be a preacher. Right. And uh, I, I was at, here at Grace Church for 11 years before I ever even taught a group of adults bigger than a living room Bible study. Mm. And uh, I had a friend who goaded me into teaching in a large Sunday school class. And, and so I started preaching, you know, but from the beginning, uh, I, I just copied what I'd seen from the models who had taught me, Warren right. Wiersbe, who I think maybe is the best outliner I've ever known. I look at a passage of scripture and come up with a brilliant, almost poetic outline. Mm-hmm. And John MacArthur, who's, who pays careful attention to the 
meaning uh, of every word in the text. And uh, so I think my approach is a blend of both of those. I'm not right. I'm not as good an expositor as John MacArthur because I don't I, I'm not as familiar with the original languages and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I, I am capable, and I think anybody who preaches should be capable of looking at a passage of scripture and determining what it means, and then that should be the basis of his sermon. If you're looking right. for words to use for the title of your sermon, you know, or a direction to enable you to say something that you want to say, but it might not even be in the text, that's just not good preaching. Exactly. And, uh, um, so I mainly, mainly have learned from the models I've been exposed to, and uh, my approach to preparation is to I do I do these days all my sermon preparation online I mean on the computer I use uh, eSword mm-hmm. uh, which is a public domain Bible study program it's easy to copy and paste text and it has some built-in commentaries that will help you with difficult verses and stuff like that mm-hmm. and uh, then I use an array of commentaries on whatever passage I'm uh, read all of those things. You usually spend about a week reading commentaries, reading about the passage, and taking notes about salient thoughts that I want to be sure and work work together. And then when I'm ready to write my notes, I start out by writing an outline. And mm-hmm. the outline needs to be drawn from the passage itself. And then that outline becomes the basis for my sermon. And I, I write out the most most preachers, I think, don't like to do this, but I'm a good writer and not a great speaker. Gotcha. So I write out every word I intend to say and then preach from a set of full notes, an entire manuscript. Wow. Gotcha. Yeah, that's 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 me. I, I, I like to I like bullet points. <laughs> but uh Yeah, it, most preachers yeah. most preachers do, and but you have to be really gifted with the uh spoken language in order to do that. And and my mind is the mind of a book editor. So I, gotcha. I think of a that concept and my my brain is like a thesaurus. I think of 15 different synonyms and I have to stop and think, which one do I want to use? And it, it keeps wow. me from being a really smooth speaker. Uh, okay. That's interesting. Wow. Uh, one, one, one thing that I, I really uh, enjoy about you um, is your, your interaction on Twitter. Um, you know, uh, you, you respond, uh, you, you know, you, you don't mind sticking, sticking your head in, you know, to, to certain conversations and I'm real good friends with, uh, Seiko Woods. Um, so oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too, man. We have him on the show. Seiko, uh, Seiko. Here's why I love Seiko. Here's what I love about Seiko the most. He is the, he is the one guy I know who's even more reckless than I am in expressing <laughs> strong opinions. He doesn't care if he gets himself in trouble and and right. I love that about him. Yeah, 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 yeah. And see that's 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 what I noticed, you know, about you and 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 you know, expressing your opinions and and coming through, you know, on that side. Um so I guess when when dealing with uh uh you know, cyber world and and internet, you know, arguments, you know, uh, uh, whatever discussions, you know, how 
how do you, I guess, uh, deal with that, you know, with somebody combating you or whatever? Cause I know you have to deal with that, you know, on, on different levels. How do you, how do you deal with that? And, and what's your approach to your reply? I mean, is it, you know, because you, you just say you have a, a, a thesaurus in your mind. So how, how do you kind of work that, um, dealing with social media? Cause a lot of my listeners deal with that, um, uh, just because, you know, that's, that's what we are, what, what kind of world we're in today. Yeah, well, my problem with social media is that uh, while I may not be real smooth as a speaker, I'm very quick with snarky comments. And (laughs) so I have to hold – I generally have – I've learned over the years to hold back my first thought Uh and try to say it in in a more tender-hearted and kind and gentle way because, you know, a gentle word turns away wrath Mm -hmm, and mm – it's not my natural inclination to respond to uh, an opponent and especially a, a smart aleck or a guy who mm-hmm. just wants to fight. It's pretty hard from, um, it's not my natural inclination to respond to that gently. And mm-hmm. uh, I've learned the hard way over the years to sort of stifle my first response. Yeah. I think and that's there are really... some fights that just. Now go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Oh no! I was just saying. I think that's really good advice because uh, uh, I know with me, my first thought is always not the greatest. So I'm definitely taking that. He. What was you saying about some fights? There's some fights that just aren't worth having. You know, Uh, it seems to me like everybody online wants to argue about eschatology, right? So they pick the the most difficult and mysterious realm of theology, and that's the thing they want to know first. You know, where do you stand on this? And let's have an argument about it. And so I, I pretty much refuse to argue about eschatology. I just don't like, you know, unless somebody's propounding a heresy that needs to be corrected. Right. Uh, I just don't see the profit in arguing over things like that that aren't, you know, essential to the gospel. Exactly. Yeah, that, I I agree with you on that. Um, just especially with eschatology, that's that's one of those topics um, that. That even even if the best uh, side is presented, they've already have a, a presupposed or their mind is already you know made up, and that you're not going to change their mind through your you know was 120 characters, you know. So that's I right. Definitely... And if you find somebody, if you find somebody who's recently changed his own mind and adopted a new position, uh, he's usually just looking for a fight anyway. He's trying to hone <laughs> his uh, debating skills or whatever, and uh, I, I'm just too busy to engage in that kind of thing. I got you. I got you. Well, um, it, it's it's true that I'm opinionated, but if you if you really watch my Twitter feed and all that, the stuff that I'm willing to actually argue about and express mm-hmm. strong opinions is is a relatively narrow, uh, a narrow sort of uh, slice of truth. Not, gotcha. No, I don't want to argue about everything, but I do want right. to argue about what's important. Right, right. Yeah. And, you know, from the outside looking in, like, you know, when I when I see the, the interaction, you know, it may be now or maybe a couple of months from now. But I just noticed that, you know, some guys like people just wear them out, you know, for a good hour and they would never say anything back for whatever fear or whatever, whatever the reason is. I, they don't feel like, you know, it's not important to them. But I just noticed that on a couple of occasions, you you were willing to at least you know, go give him a response or whatever. So I admire that, especially I admire anybody yeah, that's uh, that 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 actually runs their own Twitter <laughs> and not let somebody <laughs> else tweet for them. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, I do. I and and I do try to answer as many as I can. If I think somebody is just being, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to provoke me for sport, I won't necessarily answer that. Like, there's right. a guy right now who who's made the same tweet at me uh, on a daily basis for the past <laughs> two weeks. It's the same tweet every single day. He's trying to goad me into saying something. And I looked him up. He's only been online for less than a month. He's got three followers. <laughs> and so I realized well, he, he wants me to respond because if I do, then all my followers will yep. look at his thing and he'll, you know, so I'm not yep. going to give him the exposure. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's real. That's so true. Um, and and it's funny uh uh on Instagram um uh, um that that was going on like people would would make you know uh you know memes at somebody that has like a 100k followers just so that they'll get mad and 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 mention their name just yeah. so you know like yeah let me get you know mention my name so I can get all your followers so yeah that's yeah, that's pretty sadly funny. that worked it, it do it really do that worked. And, you know, it goes back to what we were talking about with the, the, the quest for celebrity status. People are right. so concerned, way over concerned about how many followers they have and how many likes they get. And right. honestly, I don't care about any of that stuff. I couldn't tell you how many Twitter followers I have. It's been months since I even looked at the number. Right. Uh, uh, on Facebook, I, I rarely go back and see how many people liked my post. Uh, mm -hmm. Just mm -hmm. because... And the same thing when you preach. You know, if you're a preacher, uh, don't listen to the feedback because if people are right. praising you, you know, if you really bomb, there's going to be a bunch of old ladies in the in the thing that want to make you feel good because they'll know you did terribly, <laughs> and they'll tell you how meaningful that sermon was and try to make you feel good. Right. Uh, or if they're if they're telling you that was really really bad and I disagree with you and all of that, look, if you've done your best and proclaimed the truth as you know it, and and your conscience isn't telling you that you did wrong or you did less than you should have or whatever. Mm -hmm. it's, you don't need to pay attention to what people think. We're not in, we're not in the pulpit to please men anyway. Right. Right. So preach the word of God. Exactly. And it's not always going to get a positive response. That's true. That is so, so true. But on that note, I do want you to tweet that you was on the bar, you know, so I can get some of the. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I will do that. <laughs> so I can get some of them followers, man. They're not trying to be famous. I just want some subscribers. Uh but uh on that note, man, I want to take a quick commercial break for uh our network uh guys that that we're part of. We get them a little space right here. Here's a quick commercial break. Hi, I'm Matthew. And I'm Sam. And we have a new podcast called the Reformed Kid Cast, where we go through the catechism with our daddy. It's a lot of fun, and your kid will love it. Please go subscribe. Sub subscribe. Subscribe. Subscribe on mm -hmm. iTunes. We'll see you on the Reformed Kid Cast. And we're back, and I'm here with uh, Mr. Phil Johnson from Grace Community Church. Uh, very excited, great conversation, uh, just like I imagined it would be, uh, uh, Mr. Phil. Um, and, and I appreciate you taking time out with me. Um, on the second half of, of my, 
I guess my show, uh, we're pretty much about to wrap it up. But, you know, after the commercial break, I always like to go into a little something a little lighter, uh, even though this whole conversation been kind of light, which I enjoy. But um, my I guess I have a little guess kind of fun questions. And my first question to you would be uh, what kind of music does Phil Johnson listen to when you, you know, want to just relax or, you know, have some music playing? What What are you playing? My first choice is classical, and I love Baroque music, you know, Bach. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Bach, wrote, Bach wrote some of the greatest uh, sacred music ever, and I love it. A lot of it's in German. It's all in German, actually, almost all. And uh, what's not in German would be Latin. So you have to, you have to be attentive and read the, the translation. But it's Lutheran music about biblical themes, and uh, I just love Bach cantatas. That's my, that's my number one favorite. But gotcha. uh, lately, especially as I get older, I'm 64 this year, um, I find myself feeling nostalgic. And even though, even as, as early as high school, I wasn't really listening to popular music. I was listening to classical gotcha. music. But you hear, you hear the popular music, you know. Mm -hmm. And so uh, lately in my old age, I've developed a nostalgic taste for 60s and 70s pop music. Nice. And I listen to that. Sad to say, I'm I'm just don't have a real taste for hip hop. I I listen to some of the Christian hip hop artists, right. and and I love their stuff. I just love the theology that some yes. of these guys are able to pack into poetic words, and I wish I had that gift. Mm -hmm. But I can listen to it once and appreciate it. I I can't I can't you know if I get that <laughs> rhythm and the words in my head, it's like an earworm. You can't you, you can't kill it. it and, and seriously, that affects you. That affects you when you're like preparing sermons or whatever. I, I, I don't want to break out in a Shylin, you know, <laughs> poem right. while I'm preaching. Right, right. Uh, although I have quoted him while I was preaching once. <laughs> yeah, well, he's got some good stuff. There's no question yeah. about it. I yeah, just yeah. listened to his. You know, Spurgeon's uh, the 225th anniversary of Spurgeon's death was a couple of days ago and somebody mm -hmm. sent me a link to uh, a song he did about Spurgeon it was brilliant it was absolutely brilliant it was Spurgeon's biography in a in a rap song wow so I mean I can appreciate that I just mm -hmm. can't listen to it very much <laughs> totally I don't understand. know if I'm I don't know if it's because I'm too old or because I'm too white but <laughs> either way I it might be a little combination. It's probably a little of both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got you. I got you. So uh, another one, another question um, is, uh, you know, are, are there any, like, I mean, honestly, you're kind of spoiled. I have to say that because, like, I, I listen to Grace to You as, like, part of my daily, you know, preparation. So, I mean, you have grace to you like every week and down the hall and all that stuff. So is there any, besides that, is there any like podcasts or sermons that you, that you check out every now and again? Um, yeah, I mean, I listen to an array of podcasts. Most of them aren't the ones with sermons, uh, okay. but you know, people talking about issues and stuff. I love Chris Roseborough's, uh, pirate Christian radio. Mm. Uh, he's Lutheran. He's Lutheran, so I don't always agree with his doctrine, but uh, it's brilliant. I don't know if you listen to um, – it's called Fighting for the Faith, Chris Roseborough. Uh, no, he will, he will play sermons. Oh, you gotta you got to sample it. He'll play a sermon like from somebody on TBN. 
and stop the tape and critique it as he goes. And it's, it's extremely educational and funny, but because he's wow. usually critiquing really bad sermons. So it's, it's instructive. I, I listen to Chris a lot. I listen to Todd Friel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I listen to a couple of political podcasts, conservative politics. Uh, I listen to, uh, um, Dr. Moeller on the briefing every morning. Oh yeah. That's yeah. That's, that's my day. I don't know how he does that. Me either. That's. That. I'm glad I'm not the only one that thinks like that. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. How he, it's amazing how he does that every morning. Yeah, and it's this morning's news that he's dealing with. I, I, what does he get up at two a.m. and make this? I, I don't know. Yeah, that, that's I, that's I'm that's part of my day. But as far as preachers are concerned, I, I've listened to a real mix of uh, older sermons and newer sermons. I love some of the. Old dead guys who we actually mm-hmm. have recordings of Tozer and uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know Warren Wiersbe's not dead but uh, he's not preaching anymore either so I listen to some still listen to some of his preaching and um, uh, you know just whoever I can I, I poke around a lot and listen randomly right on uh, sermon audio mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so lots of preachers that like we were talking about ordinary pastors who you wouldn't would never know, and often you get great insights from that. I love Dr. Piper's preaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, his sermons, I really appreciate. Now, when he's not preaching, he says and does things that I, I've, I've criticized and uh, right. um, and all that. But his books and his sermons, I do appreciate, I, I and I like to hear him preach. I, I'm not as passionate as he is, and he would say that's a bad thing. Uh, <laughs> right. I I. I love his passion. Uh, uh, sometimes I worry that he's going to, you know, blow a blood vessel in his forehead <laughs> or something. But right. But I love it. Wow, that's so. Awesome. Those are the kinds of things I listen to. Gotcha. That's cool. That's cool. You actually do. You do something with uh, uh, Wretched Radio. Uh, Was it too wretched for radio or something <laughs> yeah. like that? Yeah, that's right. Todd got this idea a couple of months ago to uh, because he knows he knows I'm strongly opinionated, right? And he figured if he called me up and throw a bunch of heretical, popular <laughs> heretical ideas at me, then I'd I'd rant and rage, and it's worked pretty well. So he does that about once a week. He'll call me and and uh, we record a I don't know about a 15 minute segment, mm-hmm. and uh, you know he'll ask me to critique something. I, Someday I hope he'll give me something good so people don't think I'm just negative. <laughs> right. He, he loves to give me stuff that's really bad and say, now what's wrong with this? You know, and then I'll go off for 15 minutes. And, right, right. And, uh, that's, that's been fun. Too wretched for radio, he calls it. Yep, too wretched for radio. Yeah, I actually had Todd on, on the bar um, early on. I got to meet him in Green when he came to Greenville and um, told him about the vision for the uh, podcast. And he was like, yeah, I would love to be on, man. So Todd actually was on here as well. But um, that's that's pretty awesome. He's a good he's a good guy. I love Todd. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I can't imagine. You know, he said that, that nobody ever told him he had a radio voice until he got on the radio. Like, I'm like, I definitely would have said that if I would have met you. You know, like, you have the perfect voice yeah. for radio. Yeah. He's great, and he can uh, he can do fifteen things at once. So he can keep talking on the radio while he's shuffling through papers, reading stuff, and it's just amazing <laughs> his mind how quick it is. Right, right, yeah, he's definitely sharp, definitely sharp. Um, I saw, and it's in my uh, 
my my Amazon wish list the the new um what is it the new book that uh Dr. MacArthur just came out with with like uh, the systematic theology yes yes so two new new books that came out this week one is the uh or or last week one is the systematic theology and the other is a book called the gospel according to paul and i haven't actually physically held a copy of either one yet john called me yesterday and said uh what do you think of the new systematic theology and i said well i haven't seen it yet i know the copies came in at the church but we don't have our copies at grace to you and he said i'll give you one so he sent one over to my office. It's on my desk, and when I get in tomorrow, I'll get my first look at it. Nice, nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that one. Actually, I think I heard about it uh, uh, at the beginning of uh, or the middle of last year, and uh, me and my partners like, yeah, we got to get that when that come out. Um, so what, you know, you being his editor, did you have? I mean, did, did you do you work on pretty much everything that that comes out of there, or? How does that work? No, there are a few things I don't, and and that's one of them. I didn't really do any work on the systematic theology. um, Okay. Because in order to keep all the other books flowing through their schedules and meeting their deadlines, uh, I'm pretty busy already. So when they do a big project like that, and fortunately on that one, there were numerous contributors. Most of the faculty at the Master's Seminary contributed something or other to that. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was jointly edited by a group of people, and uh, and I excused myself from the project, and I think they were all glad for that too, <laughs> uh, frankly. And uh, so, so I my first reading of it will be same as yours. I'll be looking at a new book that I've never seen any of the content yet. Wow, that's pretty exciting. Pretty exciting. Good stuff, man. So, uh, man, I really appreciate you. Uh, Take your time out your schedule. Um, I, I want to give you the floor, man. Anything you want to say to my listeners, anything that you want to uh, just put out there, I give you the floor uh, to do that now. Yeah, well, just stay faithful and remember that uh, Jesus said, if the world hated me, don't be surprised if it hates you. Mm. Uh, and it is not our calling to make friends with the world. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. And I think that's the biggest blind spot most evangelical Christians today have. They think that we have to win the world's approval and appreciation if we're going to win the world, and that isn't what wins the world. Uh, You know, the Holy Spirit, when Jesus sent him, he said, he will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. And those are three topics that lots of pastors today just are loath to mention because they think it's a turnoff. But if that's what the Holy Spirit is going to convict the world of, that and only that, is what the Holy Spirit convicts the world of, then all the other foolishness that people want to talk about, thinking that they're winning the world by making friends with the world, all of that is wasted effort. Mm. And, and that's why Scripture repeatedly calls us to be faithful, uh, to, uh, to remember that all who are um, you know, faithful to Christ will suffer persecution. Amen. And, um, uh, you know, we, we tend to forget that in our day and age. It's an age of public relations and popularity and, you know, celebrity. And we don't need to seek celebrity and and the world's approval. We need to seek God's approval by being faithful. And uh, the Holy Spirit will use that to win people. Yes, sir. Good stuff. Good stuff. Again, sir, I appreciate you. uh Take your time out and um and and being on the bar with us. 
I uh, hope you guys enjoyed uh, uh, this evening. We're going to call this, uh, I don't know, I might call this podcast Too Wretched for the Bar or something. I don't know. <laughs> we'll we'll, yeah, we'll see it. what we name it. We'll see what we name it. But um, but again, um, thank you again, sir. And uh, to my listeners, make sure you uh, go and get leave us a review. Make sure you share. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, uh, all that stuff. Uh, we'll have uh, Phil's Twitter at in the uh description and and all of that good stuff so that you can uh send him a tweet every day and and bet him uh uh and, and try to get him to to come out and say something to get you more followers so make sure you all do that <laughs> yeah now by the way i i will tweet you that link but uh be forewarned that it seems to me a lot of the people who follow me are there just because they're looking to pick a fight so uh, i'm i'm happy to put them on fuck you <laughs> Oh man, hey, <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. We'll, look, we'll take I'll, it. I'll, we'll take it. I'll, I'll say in that tweet that uh, hey, Dwayne is looking to fight somebody. <laughs> Go find him. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Good deal. Well, we out of here, y'all. Until next time. God bless you.
What's up, bar listeners? It's finally here, the bar exclusive content. Yes, that's right. You can sign up to receive exclusive content as low as $2 a week or $5 a month, $50 for the year to get exclusive content. What is the exclusive content? I'm glad you asked. The exclusive content is additional information from my guests, extra time with them in like the green moon setting, laid back, them asking me questions, I ask them questions, and also the Facebook group. You get a invitation to the Facebook group where we will have discount codes for the bar gear and many, many more. Make sure you sign up. The link's in the show notes. Join the VIP inside the bar group and we'll see you there.